0: My name is James Mangiza, um, it's good to be home again. This is my other home, I'm based in Pinetown. I feel like that student, you know who is based on campus, then you, once in a while you, you get an opportunity to be home and to eat home-cooked meal, you know how nice it is? It feels great, is it? I feel the same this morning, thank you for following me to be here. Um, I suffer from a chronic disease, and those of is there anyone who is suffering from a chronic disease here? No one? I'm the only one? You are not on medication of or BP or anything, or diabetes? That's a chronic disease. It means there is no cure, uh, but you can, mani- you can manage it. I can't manage mine, unfortunately. I suffer from a chronic disease. It's a rare disease called verbal diarrhea. So I sometimes speak faster than I'm thinking, then I'll make more mistakes than I'm supposed to. So please bear with me. It's it's a disease. It's not something I can control. It's a chronic disease, so I can't control it. So just give me some grace when it happens. Amen. Uh, but it's it's always nice to be in the house of the Lord. Um, shall we turn our Bibles to the Book of Romans? We are busy with the series Saved. And Pastor John spoke about what will we saved from, which will touch base just a little bit in a while. But um, it's What are we saved from? I'm preaching on how can we be saved. How can we be saved? It sounds so simple. It sounds like why do we have to learn about that? But you will find out just now. That it's important that we understand how we are saved. Because unless you understand how you are saved, you cannot be sure of your salvation. You cannot be sure of your relationship status. I always like this. When you are browsing through the statuses of people, and it gets to relationship status, if the other part is not committed, you know what it says on the status? It's complicated. (laughs) They don't want to admit that there is no commitment. So you say, it's complicated. I can't let it known all over, but it's there, but I'm not sure. And most Christians are like that. We are Christians, but we are not sure if we are really Christians, if we are really saved. And in my culture as well, there is this stigma that is attached to being saved. They say, you go to way, as if it's a crime or it's a curse or it's a disease. But actually, for you to be a Christian, you need to be saved. So there's nothing wrong with that. So we we'll read from the book of Romans chapter 10 from verse 1. To four, Then we'll go to verse 8 to 14. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As verse 11, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Again, what are we saved from? Uh, We are saved from the sin of death. We are saved from the sin of separation from God. We are saved from the sin of morality. We are saved from the slow death of pointlessness. We are saved from the slow death of religion or religious practices. Uh, it is a very confused word. Religious practices. Or religion. People confuse religion with relationship. You know when you're a religious person. You will tick every box. You come to church every Sunday. And you carry your Bible. And you behave like a Christian. Of that moment. But seven days you are living like the devil himself. Some of. People who call themselves Christians today are the reasons why others don't want to believe in God because of our behavior, how we conduct them, how we treat our workers, how we treat our neighbors, how we treat our friends. They say, if this is Christianity, I, I don't want anything to do with it. It's religion. When you're a religious person, you are very aware of the laws and regulations of the God of the, of the religion, but you have no relationship with the God of that religion. And they have to be different. But mainly, we are saved from eternal death. Ignorance is not an excuse for salvation. Hosiah 4, verse 6 tells us My people perished because of lack of knowledge. But it's another thing to lack knowledge because you did not get it is a different thing to have it and refuse to learn because it goes to say because you have refused knowledge part B of Isaiah 4.6 I will also reject your children as priests so when you reject knowledge you have no excuse the same was happening with the Jews of that time where Paul was writing if we remember well Paul was one of those ones. He knew what he was talking about because he had his own knowledge about salvation. He was a very religious person who would kill everyone who believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and who have been transformed. Why? Because you can be a very religious person, 40 years, 60 years, and still not transformed and still kill people thinking that that is what we call salvation. Paul was doing that until he met with Jesus Christ and he was saved and transformed. And now he got it. So he's writing from an experience point of view that you need the knowledge of your creator. You, you need the, no, the true knowledge about salvation. You know, there is a debate about ignorance and uh, knowledge. That was one long, many, many times ago. I don't know if this story is truth, but for today it saves a purpose. It is a story about two old folks. One was a lady who was saved and believed in God of, the, of creation. And the other one was an atheist gentleman. So they were neighbors at their old age home. And this, because they also, when you advance in age, your, your hearing becomes less and less complicated. So you need to shout when you even pray. And the lady will wake up every morning, Lord God Mighty, you are worth of all the praises. And she'll be shouting. And the at this the next door will be very annoyed and say, There is no God. I told you there is no God. And the lady will say, I thank you, Lord. You are there. I know you exist. And they will have this back and forth conversation. Say, there is a God. And this one is saying, There is no God. Until one day, the lady ran out of food and she made a frantic prayer to God. She went on her knees, Lord, I need food. If you don't come for me, I will die before my time. But I know you said your word, you shall ask and I shall receive. Therefore, prove that you are there. So this atheist says, "Uh uh-huh. Now I get it. I'm a rich atheist, so what am I going to do? So the lady left the house, took a walk to stretch her legs, and the atheist ran to buy lots of food. So that he can prove beyond doubt that God does not exist. So he bought this food, threw it into this lady's house, and he came and said, you, you know when you have done your thing and you think that I've got the person and I'm in the driving seat, you know that feeling? You, even your, your sitting changes to this. <laughs> and he, and, he, and he's waiting to see her talking about that God again so, and so that he can prove that there is no God. And this lady comes home and there is the house is full with food. And what does she say? She goes on her knees again. Lord, I thank you because you exist. Today I've proven that indeed God you exist. You bought me food. And the atheist shouted, Hey, I told you there is no God and I can prove it. He said, prove it. I said, I bought that food. And the light went on her knees again. She even went louder now. Lord, I thank you because you bought, me, you bought me food and you made the devil to pay for it. <laughs> you can imagine that was case closed. God does exist. You know, it's God. You know, God has got a great sense of humor. He did it on the cross of Calvary as well. When he wanted to give you life and me, from death to life, he used death. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. On the cross, he was crucified and the devil was like, uh I'm getting him. When they put every nerve, aha, uh-huh, he's going. What did he not know that that was a seed being planted so that many can germinate? You and me, we are here because of that death. God uses the devil all the time when he wants to achieve great things and he wants to, uh, uh, to, to, to reveal his existence. He uses the very person who denies him, the devil. So that ignorance and knowledge debate was sealed. God exists, even if he doesn't show up as God. Um, this question still remains. How can we be saved? We have spoken about why we need to be saved. We need to be saved because that uh, for the wages of sin is death. There is, you know, all the other things can be done away with, but there is something that we cannot run away from. Where the master and the servant meet is called death. The rich and the poor, the black, the white, the green, the yellow, the royals, there is no one who does not call the answer of death. And you will never be too busy for it. There is no... My secretary will take care of that. Or I'll, ca- I'll get back to them. Tell them I'll get them. I'm busy at the moment. Can you see? No, there is no that, nothing like that. When death calls, you answer it by force. We call it by fire, by force in my language. Which means you have no option. So how can you be saved from death? From death? We need to understand that salvation... Is a, transform, is a transformation, and that transformation is the DNA of our church as home ground. We believe strongly that transformation has to happen at an individual level, and it's a personal thing. It's between you and your father. The Cambridge uh, Dictionary uh, describes transformation as a complete change on appearance and character of someone. I love it because some of you are wondering, why, are you, why is he wearing suits? Because I've been counseled before by many people when I go to preach, I like dressing the way I like. But some people will try to tell you how to dress and they'll try to, to convince In good, by the way, their intentions are good. They want you to feel relaxed. They want you to feel comfortable. So don't wear a suit. You don't have to wear a suit. No, they tried to give me all this lecture. said, yeah, I've got enough praise to know that. But I chose to dress like this. Instead of you trying to give me a lecture about dressing, ask me why. I'll tell you. When I grew up, I grew up in a very poverty-stricken environment that I had one set of clothes. And it was that time when you are starting to notify to noticing girls, everyone is chasing after this girl, that girl in, in the wood, you know, that time, boys knows that, and you'll be just checking them out, and you hope that they are looking at you back, and and so everyone is, is now, and you, there is a competition amongst you teenagers, and here is me, who was wearing my one shorts, which were broken here, you know here, you get this African map this side, the other one is American map, whatever, and there is not even underwear underneath to cover the flesh, so if by mistake my long t-shirt which I used to wear like this, if it gets blown by wind, I'll go like this. And the whole world will laugh at me like what you're doing. But at least you're not giving me names. They gave me names. Their names were from two mad people who walked in our hood. One was the man who came, a man who was mentally challenged and he would wear, you know, sometimes when our brothers are mentally challenged, they end up putting clothes, torn clothes on top, and they'll be dirty, and they put another one in get and, and until they are like a rag moving. So they called him Regs, and that became my name. And another woman came. That was waste. Another woman came again. They gave me that name. So I had two nicknames in my entire life. It's called Marengenya and, and Mangurenge. They all mean the same. A person who is wearing rags, who is always wearing rags. That's how bad it was when I grew up. It was so bad that even my own family wrote me off. They, told, they gave others pastoral positions, managers, this and that, business person, and they gave me a nobody title. And I, I agreed with them, and I, I, I lived to it. I became it because I even failed my, my ordinary level. You call it metric here. Yeah. I failed the fa- my first metric certificate. You've got two Cs. And they were happy that they indeed they knew the future. They've seen. They knew that, yeah, 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 it came to pass. Now we told you, you are nobody. Look, you got the list. And I was the least of the least. Not only in my family, but in the entire community. I became a nobody. And I was hooked on drugs, on weed. I started smoking weed in tango, like no man's business. For 20 years I could not escape. I tried to change myself. I tried to throw this 20 pack of typhus and whatever you call it. I smoke one. I throw it away. I said, this is my last one. I tried everything. And as an educator, I tried to use psychology. I tried to use counseling. Everything did not work until Jesus came to the scene. When Jesus came, this is what you get. Look, I'm preaching with a tablet. Hello. <laughs> it's not a big thing to you because you're used to it, right? I know. You're used to it, that's why. I'm not... <laughs> I never heard a cell phone until I came to South Africa. So you, you need to understand how, how I value the way transformation. And now, if you look at my wife, if you see my wife, just there she is. She's even prettier than all the wives in our family. So you see how God does it? On top of that, I was the first, after failing, I was the first to graduate with a degree in my entire generation. I was the first one to get a degree. I was the first to get a second one. I was the first to get a third one. Now I'm going for the fourth one. That is God for you. If you don't know, this is transformation. What I'm talking about. They have to be changed. They have to be. It's a complete turnaround of events. You cannot be transformed and remain the same. When you are transformed, you are changed from one state into another. But the transformation that matters most is when your destination is transformed from hell to heaven. Now, I know there is a whole debate about hell and heaven, that, oh, by the way, heaven is a state, Uh, Heaven, eternal life starts here, and heaven is here. I'm for that. I'm good with that. And others will say, yeah, the Bible says we'll be caught in the clouds, and we are going to heaven. It's a physical place. I am also for that. But there are two things that does not change. Heaven is a nice place. Hell is a horrible place. The Bible says you will burn and you will gnash your teeth. So death is something that you and I have to be scared for a reason. Because if you meet physical death, before you make things right, you are doomed to eternal hell fire. And it's not like a virgin active sauna that you can say, oh, no, I'm in a sauna, I've sweated enough, now I can go out, no, I'll see you tomorrow. No, 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 once you're in there, you're in there forever and ever and ever and ever. You are not going to come back again. It's not your choice to come out, it's your choice to get in, that's true. But to come out, it's not yours. You will be there until eternity. There are few men who have been transformed by the gospel and their lives will never be the same. One of them is me, yes, and some of them there is you, but there is Nicodemus in the Bible as well. We remember Nicodemus was the religious teacher of time, of that time. If Nicodemus says you are a sinner, you were a sinner. If Nicodemus says you are condemned, you will be stoned to death by according to Israel tradition. But when he met Jesus Christ, then Jesus Christ said, Nicodemus, you are the teacher of law. But you don't know how to, be a, to have a relationship with God. Said, unless you are born again. John 3, 3, from 3 to 6. So, how can a man be born again now when he's old? Surely he can't go back into his mother's stomach. Jesus said, You are 100% right. It's not about flesh. The flesh gives back to flesh, but the spirit gives back to spirit. You are born of the word. The word is the spirit. John 6, 63. And another one is the jailer. When Paul and Silas were imprisoned and they were released by the supernatural power of God breaking all the shackles. And the jailer said, no, I'm going to kill myself. Paul said, no, don't kill yourself. We are not running away. The one who took us out, will took us, take us out again to our destination. And the jailer said, what can I do to be like you? Believe in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ And you shall be saved, you and your family. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the most corrupt guy of the time. When you were seen with Zacchaeus, you will become the public enemy number one. Because the tax collectors of that time, they were regarded as the no-names mentioned, the politicians, some of the politicians of today who are corrupt. But again, when he met Jesus Christ, he was never the same again. I think he even offered to pay many, many times more. So, what am I saying? What does it take then to, be, to, to, to achieve this transformation? It's not going to be by you killing an animal and hoping that the blood of that animal will cleanse you. By the way, it is a tradition borrowed from the Bible. You remember in the biblical times, God has declared that without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So during the Egyptian time, when the Israelites had to be released from captivity after spending 400 years, they had to be released through blood. So a clean and blemished lamb has to be taken, and the priest will lay whoever the priest was, maybe the father of the house will be the priest of the house, who laid their hand on the unblemished lamb, and that lamb represented Jesus and you. So it has to die, and through its death, and that blood you're going to put on the lentils, then you'll be set free. So they did it that time. But that was a picture of the gruesome, horrible death that the Son of God we have to endure on the cross. That cross is a horrible. Was a horrible place. Because it is only at the cross where the crucified creator or crucified Christ calls, cleans, and qualifies the unqualified to become Christ followers Only through faith. The blood of Jesus was not put. There was no needle that we do today. You know when you go to donate blood, you are given a tennis ball or a softball to pump like this, and they take a very small needle, then they put it, it just feels like a a little pierce, and then you start pumping, and they start draining your blood. You know that? No, that is not how they drained the blood of Jesus. They drained it through the cross. They started whipping him. They whipped him like they were whipping a thief. They were whipping in the feather, they were whipping on the eye, they were whipping everywhere. To the extent that Isaiah described this scene that when Jesus Christ, they, when they finished beating, in fact, before they beat Jesus Christ, just when they came to arrest him, everyone, all the disciples ran away. Peter said, I don't know this man three times. Another young man ran away naked. Left all the clothes. They tried to grab this. He lifted. Tried to grab this. They... Can you imagine him running around, running away? It was so bad from the scene of arrest to the scene of brutal punishment that when they finished, I think you all have watched movies, right? Passion of Christ. The Passion of Christ. Anyone watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ? The Passion of Christ. The Passion of the Christ. The same, same difference. You ever watched it? If you read the afterwards, Because I always like to know, especially when it's true stories, I always like to know all the details of the movie. So I went back to watch the details of the movie. You know, they say, and, 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 and most of you, when you watch it, you literally cried, right? I also felt like crying. I had no tears left. Uh, I have to squeeze hard because I was very naughty when I grew up. So my, ma- my father used to beat me like a thief. So all my tears were gone by the time I turned 20. But that time, I could squeeze some out. It was so bad. They tried. You know, when I was watching this Mel Gibson thing, and and I realized that, no, this was bad. But it was not as bad as the real thing. The real thing the Bible says in Isaiah 52, when they finished with him, his visage was so mad beyond any man's recognition. When you look at Jesus Christ after they have beaten him in real life, there was nothing on him to show that he was a human being. He was so disfigured, another version says. He was so badly bruised, badly beaten, badly disfigured, that you cannot liken him with a man. Because he was paying the full price for your salvation and for my salvation. The cross is a very powerful place. I don't know, when, when I was listening to those uh, after effects, I heard that when they, were, when they were making that movie, The Passion for Christ, the guy who acted as Judas was an atheist, and he got born again on set. They said behind the scenes, Miracles were happening. As they were acting the person of Christ, go and Google it. It's there on YouTube. It it's will never go away. Miracles were taking place while these people were acting a movie, just acting. And miracles were taking place. And the other thing, that guy prayed to God, uh, Jim Cavazell is the main actor. He prayed to God that Lord. I want to feel it. I, I don't want to just do this, 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 this acting thing. I want to f- experience some of it. And the Lord said, uh-huh, you'll get it. And the first thing he experienced was a dislocation of his shoulder. In real life, while he's acting, that thing fell on him and it dislocated his shoulder. And he was just acting. And he was struck with lightning. And he was filled with pneumonia. His lungs were full of water at one stage. And his also co-director was also hit by lightning. Boom! While they were acting the movie. If you watch the movies, The Son of God, it's a follow-up to The Passion of Christ. It's a lighter version of The Passion of Christ. Anyone, The Son of God, please go and watch it. They acted it in Morocco. And again, every day they're acting it on, in Morocco on a hill there that looked like the Calvary hill. And that hill, they are snakes. So every day before they go on set to act movies, they have to remove snakes. So every day they will remove one or two snakes. But when they were shooting the crucifixion of the Son of God, they found a bag full of snakes. It wasn't one or two snakes anymore. It was a full bag of snakes. Why? Because the cross is a place of power. As much as it is a place of pain. It is a place of power. And that power is transformative power. It's not just power that we can talk about. It's power that you can experience. You cannot meet God and remain the same. You cannot be a a rude and a bad employer before you are born again. And you are born again, you are still the same or even worse. You cannot be a horrible person before you were born again. And after being born again, you are still horrible and grumpy. You cannot. It it does not happen. The two does not work. One has to die for for the other to live. We are saved through death. You die to self and live in him. We need our our past uh, character he has to change yes to change our appearance has to change yes I know my appearance changed but the most change that needs to happen is the character then we are modified into Christ's character because Jesus paid a full price take a journey with me in these few verses what then James what are you saying? Romans three twenty three tells us that for all we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you don't need to sin physically to be a sinner. You were born a sinner. First John chapter one nine it says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive all your transgressions. Romans six twenty three for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And we have established that death is fine, but eternal death is bad. But for you to get to eternal death, you have to come through physical death. Romans six tells us that the gospel of Jesus Christ, of God, is the power unto salvation. So then, what am I saying? I'm saying, according to Romans 9, Romans 10, we just read, it says, you hear the word of God. Because Romans 10.17 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing from the word of God. You believe, you receive his atonement, and you repent of your sins. This is something you have to do yourself. I know many of us, you go to church for the first time, the pastor preaches and the pastor prays for you. I say, yeah, now you are born again. No, that's not the biblical way. The biblical said, if you confess, you, 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 you. Not the pastor. I cannot confess for your sins to be forgiven. It has to be you and him. It reminds me of relationships, of marriages in our culture. There are a few marriages that are interesting. One of them is called Ukutwala or Msengabere. Do you know it, Ukutwala? You see the girl you like in the farms and she goes to, the, to get water to the bowl and you hide in the bushes with your friend. You just go and grab her. Run home with her. Put her behind the door. And he becomes your wife. And then a few days later you send a message. say, No, look no further. She's with us. And then the, bill, the marriage Lobola bill will follow. That's one, that's one interesting one. The other interesting one now is an arranged marriage setting. That the parents will go and meet and, co- and communicate. So, so age does not matter in that. A 60-year-old can get married to a 17-year-old or whatever it is. The, 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 the arrangement is done by your parents, and there is no input. There is no dating, by the way. There is no milkshake. There is no ice cream. There is no, I like him. I like him. No, there is no liking. You just have to be put together, and they are expected to live happily ever after forever and ever. Can you imagine? That's one setting, right? That's arranged marriage. And religious people do that. (laughs) They pray. They arrange a marriage with you and God. And expect you to be a Christian. No. To be a Christian, how do you get saved? You, with your own mouth. You have to confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. With your own heart, you need to believe that he rose from the dead. Then you shall be saved. So today, you can leave this place. Be sure of your relationship status with God. You don't have to say it's complicated. You don't have to scratch your mind. You can be assured that you are a born again child of God. And once you have done that, then you embrace your new identity. You cannot be a certain person and remain a sinner. This I need to clarify. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, if a man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old self is gone. The new has come. John 1.12, if you believe you, to those who believe he gave them the right to become children of God. Romans 8 tells us that we become heirs with Christ which means we are new creation folks. We cannot continue to be sinners because the more we profess to be sinners the more we sin willingly and enjoy the sin because we have called ourselves sinners so we give, we are giving you an exception that I can continue to be who I was although I profess to be a new person. No, you need to live one and embrace the other. The more we embrace in faith the finished work of Christ and your new identity in him, then you start living like a child of God. Then you start knowing that your past cannot have hold on you. You are no longer condemned. You are a new creation. You are the most you are the child of the most high God. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you say 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it tells us that uh, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Children of the Most High God, that King we spoke about dying on the cross, He is your Father. He is your new identity. In Revelation 1 6, it tells us again that we are kings and priests unto God to proclaim His glory. When we understand how to be saved, we can be assured of our salvation, we can embrace our new identity. But we can also help others to be saved. So I want us to bow down our heads. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. Many of us, we are not sure about our salvation. Many of us, we don't know if we are really saved. We are just going. We are just getting along. The Bible makes it clear. You confess with your mouth. You believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you are saved. So I want us to pray this prayer if you are not sure about your salvation. And even you online there, if you want to be sure that you are truly saved from today on and you want to see the transformative power of God working in you and through you, let's pray this prayer with all your heart and with all your mind. Say, Lord Jesus... Yes, in church, you can help them. That's fine. We can say it aloud. The Bible says you shall call. Don't be scared about people. They don't have heaven or hell to put you. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. With my mouth, I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I believe in my heart that you rose him from the dead For my justification. Devil. And all your works. I denounce you today. I belong to Jesus. I am a child of God. Holy Spirit. Fill me. And lead me. In Jesus name. Amen. The Bible says. If you confess with your mouth. And believe in your heart. You are a child of God." embrace your new identity refuse to be held captive by your past past mistakes past errors past whatever it's gone you are a new creation when god sees you you see christ in you the hope of glory so today uh we Where, if you have given your life to Jesus for the very first time, or if you have recommitted and you want to go through a discipleship process, we've got a brilliant discipleship process in house. So, you can write, you can email to um, feedback at homeground.org.za feedback at homeground.org.za or you can see Pastor Rich out there or any of the folks at the back there so that we can enroll you in that discipleship so that we can walk that journey of sanctification together. Justification, it's done. It's faith and confession. You are just as you have, you have never seen. But sanctification, it's a journey we have to travel together. I'm going to close the service now, but maybe you are here and you are battling with something, that some challenges that maybe some of you have been to the psychologist or the doctors, and the doctors still don't have a solution yet, and, but the condition is still there. And you want to trust God. We'll be here to pray with you. As others are going out, we would request that you come here so that we can pray with you. Amen.